Hello, I'm Regina Zona, and this is True Confessions of a Still Fabulous Diva. This is my true confession. I'm writing a show. A few years ago, a great friend and musical collaborator of mine called me up and said that the night before she and her boyfriend had been talking about me and they had this great idea for a show that I should do. It would be a show that's all about me, how I became a singer, uh, and especially how I became a queen of the night. So while they said that this show would just be filled with great fabulosity, they said that basically it would be like a recital cabaret where I would tell my story through song, uh, show off my, my musicality and my vocal abilities with the music that I chose. And both my friend and her boyfriend were really jazzed about it. And of course, well, at first I'm of course flattered that they thought of me and thought that I should do something like this. I thought, you know, why would anybody be interested in my particular story? Uh, you might remember a few weeks back when I talked about my crippling self-doubt. But I let the idea ruminate a bit. <clears throat> And eventually I thought, well, why not? You know, I need to create my own performing opportunities, and maybe this is where I need to go next. So the first thing that I decided was that I wanted this project to be something different than what is typical for a classical singer. I didn't want this to just be a themed recital where I would stand in front of a piano singing songs and arias and maybe telling little stories about my career and my life. And I also didn't want it to be a cabaret, which is essentially the same thing as I just described, um, except it's in a smaller venue and uses more popular songs and so on and so forth. The fact of the matter is that I thought that if this was something that I wanted to do, I wanted it to be bigger than just a recital and a cabaret. First of all, voice recitals and cabarets don't sell well unless you're a big name. And if I was going to do this, I wanted it to be something bigger. I wanted it to be something that I could convince more than just my 25 family members and friends to attend. So I started brainstorming ideas for the show, and a show about me that wasn't really a recital, but more of a play. I was inspired that maybe it would be something like Terrence McNally's Masterclass, where it wasn't just me on stage, but it was me with a pianist and then maybe two or three other actors. <clears throat> So then I needed a concept, and I decided, as I always do anytime I'm going into a project, to first start with the music. So I wrote down lots of musical ideas of music that represented something in my life or music that I just simply loved to sing or play, and I pulled from opera and art song and jazz and musical theater, a little bit of everything. 
But then I had to figure out how I was going to connect all of this music. What was the journey? What was the narrative going to be? So since my friend's first thought was how my career was particularly interesting because I sang the Queen of the Night, I decided that maybe I needed to start there. So I came up with this narrative that started with the Queen. The Queen is bigger than life. Uh, she's perhaps a little crazy, and she's certainly fearless. And the Queen is the ultimate diva. So that brought me to the next iteration of me, the diva, and uh, what that all means, being a diva. And then the diva led me to sort of the art form, the art of opera, the art of singing, and what really being an artist is. And then I had to figure out, okay, what is the common denominator between all of these things? Well, the common denominator is me, Regina. So I had these characters. I had the queen, the diva, the artist, and then finally Regina. And all of a sudden it made sense that this perfectly showed my development as a singer and ultimately as a woman. I started my career singing the Queen of the Night <clears throat> and all of her fearlessness and fireworks. And when I did sing the Queen of the Night, I was fearless. And basically, it was the Queen of the Night who sort of thrust me into the world of opera. And in that world, that is where I learned how to be a diva. Sometimes temperamental, but always bigger than life craving the spotlight. And then I grew older and I started to know myself more. And I realized that the glitz and the glamour of the perceived opera career is not actually what inspired me, but instead it was the art that inspired me. And this is when I developed into an artist. And finally, when as an artist, I was able to accept my own vulnerability and I finally grew into my truth and myself, that is when I fully became Regina. And Regina means queen in Italian. So we've come full circle. See how that works? I start with the queen. I end with Regina. I'm back to the queen. Amazing, right? It's brilliant. <laughs> so anyway, I had this great concept and now all I had to do was write it. But herein lies the problem. I have no idea how to write. I am not a writer by the stretch of any imagination. And I certainly have no idea how to write a play. I had never been really interested in writing. I didn't know where to start. And so I thought, well, okay, so maybe what I need to do is I need to find a playwright. So I put a few feelers out there on social media to see if anyone knew a playwright or if anyone was a playwright and would be interested and nothing really panned out from that. So then I met a dramaturg in the opera world and I thought that she might be perfect to help me because she certainly knows the world of which I come, from which I come. And that meeting 
was fun because basically I had to explain my concept to her. And um, then all she did was ask me questions about me. And so I got to tell stories about me. And we know how I love to tell stories about myself. And ultimately, she said that this was a story that I had to write myself. I couldn't farm it out to somebody else because I was the only one that truly knew the essence of me and my story. So she gave me the name of a playwright and another dramaturg and sent me on my way. So I went to another playwright and again, he said the same thing. I needed to write this story myself. And, and then he gave me some exercises to sort of explore uh, how, um, how to actually come up with stories that can, uh, can be dramatized. And then my friend who concocted this whole idea in the first place, sent me a notice saying that the Dramatists Guild of America were going to be um, holding uh, classes, classes on writing, um, and that I could apply to be a part of it. And sure enough, there was a class called Writing Your Own Solo Performance. And I thought, well, okay, so maybe this is where I need to start. But... <laughs> Here's the thing, is that you can't just sign up for these classes and, and give them your credit card and then show up. You actually have to apply for these classes, like they're college courses. And so what you had to do was you had to fill out an application and you had to detail your writing history, your the writing classes you've taken, works that you've already written, and why it is that you want to take this class. Then you had to submit a writing sample. Okay, so I laughed when I filled out this application because... <laughs> Obviously, they weren't looking for a retired opera singer to take this class. Um, but I, I filled out the application as best I could. I wrote in my objectives for taking the course, and I outlined the idea for the show that I had. And when I hit send, I just basically told myself, well, if it's meant to be, if the universe thinks that I need to be a writer, then they will accept me into this course. And sure enough, they accepted me. So when I first attended, when I attended the first class, first of all, I was like super delighted that in this writing class, I was one of the youngest people there. That has never happened before. So maybe I found my calling. And really, the class was great for a person like me with no experience uh, with writing because basically we were led through sort of these basic writing exercises. Like I think in the very first class, we had to write a very short episode about an event in our childhood. We had to write it in the first person present tense and that we had 15 minutes to do it. And then we would get up and we would um, read our episode to the rest of the class. Or there was another class we had to write a rant, something that we were really emotional about. Or we had to write a scene inspired by an event in our lives um, that the scene is between two people, but there is only one person on stage doing the dialogue. 
And we also, in the course of this, we studied the solo performances of other artists like John Leguizamo, Moms Mabley, Ruth Draper, and Eric Bogosian, among others. And at the end of the 10-week course, we had a showcase where all of us performed 15 minutes of the work that we had written in class. Now, that was absolutely terrifying. <laughs> I mean, I have sung operas and recitals in foreign languages in front of thousands of people and never have been as nervous as I was to actually do spoken word in front of other people. It was super crazy. But I did it and people seemed to enjoy it. So the exercises in the class sort of led me to write a draft of the original show that I had been planning. And so that what ended up happening was that the show, this first draft, was sort of episodes and songs that told stories from my career, and as I previously described, and stories from my personal life that focused on how I became the woman that I am today. And I thought that it was really interesting, you know, because it was sort of like my career and my personal life sort of weaving together to create sort of how I became the singer that I was and how I became the woman that I was. But when I took it to my writing teacher, she told me that I actually had two shows there, not just one. I had a career show and I had a personal journey show. And she said that the show about my career was fine but that the compelling story, the story about my life's journey, is really what I should focus on. So yet again, my reaction to this was, I mean, come on, is my life really that interesting? So if you've been listening to these podcast episodes, you might be seeing a theme here that I always question whether I'm interesting enough. But I took her advice and I started writing the life journey story. I started with my early childhood, working through my parents' divorce, growing up as a rebellious teenager, finding music as my salvation, finding my partner, and then ultimately dealing with the relationship uh, that I have with my parents. And I decided, I found a theme that sort of connected all of these things, which was how I grew up to be the woman I am through the aid of self-help books. And so in, in between the storytelling, I sort of peppered music and song that would punctuate certain parts of my life. So once I actually got over my self-doubt about this particular story and the interest of this subject material, the process of writing this story has actually been pretty cathartic. This is not the show that I intended to write, and it was definitely not the show I wanted to write. Interestingly enough, I really... I loved my career stories, 
they were crazy and funny and ridiculous and meaningful. And I thought that they were the most interesting part of me. But my teacher told me that that is not the part of me, the part of my story that is relatable. That ultimately it's the human story that people are going to connect to. And while it took a while to accept that, I finally surrendered to it and opened myself up to that story. This is what I know for sure. Sometimes the thing you think is most interesting about you is actually not the most interesting thing about you. This was a really weird thing for me to learn, and it is probably something that not a lot of people actually do learn. We are in a me, me, me society, and we're always trying to control our own narrative. And social media, of course, is a huge part of that. We control what pictures and media goes out into the world. We post our own thoughts and rants. We present ourselves in the world based on our own perception of us. And don't get me wrong, all of that is important. It's important to present to the world what we want others to see, especially if you're promoting your own brand. But the one thing that we don't do on a regular basis is put ourselves out there so that we can get feedback on how we are putting ourselves out there. And if we did, I have a feeling that 95% of us would not post most of what we post on social media. And maybe there isn't a need for feedback. You know, we are who we are, we live our lives, and most of the time we find comfort in knowing who we are and how we present ourselves. But in the process of writing this show, I was forced to face the feedback. And don't get me wrong, the feedback was always presented in a really positive way. But I was... really surprised when the reaction I received to parts of my own story was completely the opposite of the intention that I had when I presented it. So for instance, one of the career stories that uh, I wrote for my show was about a competition that I sang for the Metropolitan Opera. I sang really great, I felt really good about it, and I received an honorable mention in the competition, which was great. But when I went to get feedback from the judge from the Met after I sang, she didn't say anything to me about my singing at all. She just basically told me that I was too fat, that I was never going to get cast in anything if I didn't lose weight, and that she had a hundred other girls that could sing as well as I could, if not better, who weren't fat. So 
in my story that I'm telling in, <clears throat> in this show, I go off on her in an epic rant about what a bitch she's being and how wrong she is and how dare she say these things to me and so on and so forth. And then I end the story saying, basically, instead, I said to her, thank you very much. And I shook her hand, left the room, and then went to Dunkin' Donuts. So I wrote this story with a lot of humor in it. In fact, I really didn't intend for it to be serious at all. For me now, you know, I look back at that story and, you know, I just roll my eyes at the ridiculousness of it, you know, and I laugh at it. So this is the story. This is one of the stories that I, um, one of the episodes that I performed in the showcase at the end of my writing class. And the weirdest thing happened. The audience was totally with me as I was going through this whole show this this whole episode. They were laughing at the appropriate moments. But then when I said the line, she looked at me and said, what am I going to do with you? You are so fat. I actually heard gasps in the audience. Gasps! So then after the show, I had these two women come up to me who knew nothing about opera or music. And they said, boy, I, I don't know anything about your business, but I found your story so compelling. I mean, your life is so tragic. <laughs> and let's just say I was a little taken aback by that. I mean, I was wondering if maybe I needed to take myself to a therapist stat, because obviously I wasn't getting that my life was tragic. It's so funny that, you know, I really look back at that time in my life and sure, I was affected by that event, but I never, ever thought of it as tragic. And what makes it even more weird is the fact that I presented this story in a very humorous and tongue-in-cheek way. And I certainly never expected somebody to react like that. And sure enough, I have had these kind of re revelations all the way through my writing process. When I surrendered to finally focus on telling my personal story, the feedback I've gotten from my teacher and my colleagues has been more engaging than I could have really ever expected. What they say to me is that the details of my specific story are solely mine However, the themes of those stories match up to what they've experienced. And when they find that connection, they're really more compelled by it. And I had to figure out why that was the case. I mean, I know that in some ways, you know, we all experience the same things. We all experience love and loss, struggle and joys, challenges with relationships, the, the awkwardness of growing up. But the real thing here is the fact that when I really surrendered to this process, I allowed myself to truly show my own personal vulnerability. This iteration of my show 
explores who I truly am by what I have experienced in my life, and I'm putting it all out there. What I thought was interesting about me were these crazy stories of this larger-than-life career that I chose. Because this larger-than-life career is is theater in its most fantastical form, and everybody loves theater. But what I discovered is that while the career was and is a significant part of my life, it actually is the facade of my life. It's fun to look at, but it's not always relatable. And when I accepted that maybe the most interesting part of my life and part of me was actually my humanity, it changed the way that I saw myself. And I think I'm better for it. This is my inspiration for the week. This week's quote is by researcher and motivational speaker, Brene Brown. She's written several books on how to live your life with courage and to embrace your vulnerability. Books like Rising Strong, Daring Greatly, and The Gifts of Imperfection. And she says, vulnerability is not winning or losing. It's having the courage to show up and be seen when we have no control over the outcome. Vulnerability is not weakness. It's our greatest measure of courage. Hmm. So don't be afraid to be vulnerable. It's the most interesting part of you. Thank you so much for listening. I'm really grateful to you for being on this journey with me. And join me next week when my confession is I am obsessed with feng shui. And remember that the only response to the question, how are you, is fabulous. Fabulous.